on Avengers 2 all together now. After receiving mysterious and powerful gifts from Chris, Sky Captain and Mrs. Z were on the hunt for Father Christmas. Mrs. Z's gift, a shimmering umbrella with the power to rip a soul out of somebody's body was particularly concerning to them. After visiting the North Pole and gathering Hannibal, their search has taken them to the charming Montenero, a country whose whole thing is sort of about Christmas magic and love. Meanwhile, the evil Avengers, Krampus, Metal Mario, the Celtic goddess, goddess Bridget, and Ferryman lit the fuse on their plot to destroy our heroes. After rescuing and preserving the Vegeta's body, they installed a positronic brain into their captive and programmed him to fight their rivals. The Vegeta turned sour quickly, however, and it was only the quick thinking of their spy neighbor, a shape-shifting and parasitic organism named Andy, who loves tabletop role-playing games, were they able to get the Vegeta under control. Now in the driver's seat of the Vegeta's body, Andy has formed an unlikely alliance with the evil Avengers with the promise of one thing, that he gets to add the games of power, Jumanji, Ford's Fury, and Zathura into his collection. Mysterious voices fill the Vegeta's head, however, and seem to be driving him mad. At last we left off, with the aid of the mysterious Piccolo, Goku, and Paul Blart Mall Cop who, you know what? Let's just start the episode. Chapter 10. Aggressive Negotiations. So we're, uh, we bring in uh, Anakin Skywalker. Yep. As the Avengers fly forth towards the palace, we see bursts of light and sound of explosions in the background where the Gokular and the Vegeta are squaring off. They seem to have some history. Yeah. It's hard to say who I want to win more. You okay, Mrs. E? Yes, Lewis, I'm fine. I'm just sad we lost the game. I wasn't strong enough, even with the staff of Chris's. Hopefully we get answers soon. As they approach the palace, the seemingly blue sky above it starts to look odd to all of them. It seems to be reflecting off of itself for some reason. As they pull up to the door of the palace, it becomes clear why. Above the palace doesn't actually set a bright blue sky, but a giant heller carrier that is using a cloaking device. In the drive up of the palace sits multiple vans with the shard logo on it. Something tells me that something is going on. What gave you that idea? As they approach the door into the palace, shard agents form around them. Hello, is Director Rage here? Something tells me he's expecting us. Yeah, we're total buds. Director Rage comes through the door to meet the Avengers. Hannibal shakes his hand. Hannibal, Captain, Mrs. Zimmerman, Lewis, Luigi, Dog Trooper, it's good to see you. And who's this? Rage waves a, waves a hand at Anya. This is my very good friend and partner of Chris, Anya Claus. Rage looks befuddled that he didn't know this. Ah, Mrs. Claus, it's such a pleasure to- Say it, Director, where's my husband? 
Well, you see... Rage, I'm a multi-hundred-year-old being with a very short temper. Today alone, I've fallen five, 600 feet and lost the board game to that thing that blew up Miami. I've got as many questions for this husband of mine, so I'm not going to ask you again. Game is lost. That makes two, then. Yes, you must come with me at once, all of you. They walk through a door. We cut back to the Gokular and the Vegeta battle. I could go into extreme detail, but if you've ever seen Dragon Ball Z fight scene before, it's basically that. A lot of fast moving and seemingly throwing of a hundred fists at each second. The Vegeta uses their cool tentacles to fight all the replicants of the Goku alert. Their energy blasts, you get the idea. It's really cool and would make any 2000s era middle schooler very pumped. Um, could you go ahead and describe scene to me, but through Naruto as a reference, since I haven't seen Dragon Ball. <laughs> sure, they run. Uh, there's some scenes of them running very fast with okay. their arms behind them. Oh, okay, perfect. I understand completely. <laughs> We cut back to the Avengers walking down the hallway following Rage. Shard agents seem to have fully moved into the palace. They enter the throne room and we hear the familiar voice of Kurt Russell Santa Claus. Well, this is bullshit. You know it, Jules. We see who he's yelling at, and it seems to be his brother Jules, a.k.a. the mysterious Christmas man from the Princess Switch movies. The Christmas witch from Night Before Christmas, a.k.a. Chrissy, their sister, also comes into view. Now, boys, let's act like immortal magical adults, huh? You're not even open to negotiation. You just want everything to go your way, just as you always have. Really holly and jolly of you. This is about the fate of the world as we know it. We must use the game. The Avengers enter the room. Holy crap. We see Chris standing in front of uh, the royal court of the four Hudgens. Brooks, Stacy, Margaret, and Fifi. He seems to be debating with his siblings, Chrissy and Jules. I was really worried Kylie was going to have to do four different distinct Vanessa Hudgens voices. <laughs> no. All right. <clears throat> uh, who are these people, cousin? Oh, sorry. I just felt my soul die. Uh, I believe these are the Avengers. Oh, from Disney Plus? No, those are the Avengers, a completely unrelated and differently copyrighted property. Wink. <laughs> Chris notices the gag. Oh, Noel, what are you all doing here? Well, Chris, we knew something was going on and we just wanted to ask a few. Many, many questions. Anya steps forth. Sorry, you're going to have to switch between each yes. other. Here we go. <laughs> Why did we fucking go? <laughs> okay. I'm going to put uh, my card with a picture of Kurt Russell Santa Claus over here and then a picture of Dolly Parton over here to jump back and forth. Uh, Sugar Plum, you're here. The- don't you honey me. You leave for weeks and don't even send an ornament to tell me you're going to be all right or when you come back. Oh, it's just about you. Bullshit. Well, I'll have to agree with you there, dear. Uh, Chris, please explain what's going on. Yes, Chris. I'm going to have to demand an explanation myself. I received your gift and it's been wonderful, but I can't seem to control it. It's very dangerous. Chris looks confused and looks at her and back at Anya. Gift? What Gift? We cut back to the battle with Gokular and the Vegeta. The Gokular lands and takes a few heavy breaths. They seem to have multiple injuries and are bleeding from their mouth. The Vegeta lowers into their view. They seem barely tuckered. Seems a lot has changed since you fought this body. It's not your fault, really. I myself am still discovering the power of the games. Why do you waste your time? They are not an adventure. They are not an adventure. They are not an adventure. Just having a little fun. Am I am I not allowed that? Plus, this fusion thing. I could use this to help defeat the Avengers. 
What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't forget to get the groceries this weekend. Who are you talking to? Ugh, fine. You being so beaten and tired, it's not fun anymore, you know? Time to perform the hat trick. The, the Vegeta whips a tentacle arm around the Gokulart's body and squeezes. In a flash, Goku, Piccolo, and Blart diffuse and lay unconscious on the ground. Now, Fusion, tell me what you know. Thin then tentacles spread along the ground and entered the eyes, noses, and ears of his fallen foes. Ah, so that's what it's like. Let me give it a shot. We see pulses of magic from the game spread from the center of the Vegeta's torso and into the appendages that are in Goku, Piccolo, and Blart. Like a vacuum, uh, they suck the bodies into the Vegeta, and we see a bright light shine as they fuse with them instantly. Woohoo! Oh my god. We are going on a power bender this weekend. I can't wait to tell Nance. Suddenly, we hear a phone ring. Hello, the Vegeta, a.k.a. And Andy the Neighbor speaking. How can I direct your call? Where are you? You left us in Miami. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Just had to get that other game. Ask Bridget. I've talked to her at length about how me and Nance had to rearrange one of our closets at least five times so we can add another TTRPG child to our happy home. I don't care about your hobbies. I don't care about Nance. <laughs> the only thing me and the others care about is that you destroy the Avengers, you nitwit. God, nag, nag, nag. I get nagged by you i get nagged by the voice in my head i mean am i allowed to enjoy the apocalypse i brought enough complaining just do it the phone hangs up Ugh, this won't do mm -mm. not at all we smash cut to miami and, uh, and krampus is hanging up their phone the rest of the evil avengers are there i'm beginning to think this was a mistake yeah who knew the middle-aged white man living in a suburb would be so whiny mm. about their lot I can't believe we agreed to do this. He fucked with my mind. I mean, we are evil, but that's fucking sick, man. Nobody said world domination was all fun and games. I mean, so far there have definitely been games. Like, literal games that hold immense and reality-bending power. Why do you always have to get on my case? I'm just trying to take part in this conversation. <laughs> I was just making an observation. You hear someone drop from the sky. The Vegeta lands. Sounds like there's a little trouble in paradise. What are you doing here? How did you get here so quick? Why do you look like a rejected Venom concept art? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, new powers. Another game in the collection. Ugh. Please stop talking about games. Nobody cares about tabletop role-playing games. Ugh. See. There. There. Right there. That's the issue. Our goals just don't mesh. I thought we could make it work, but I just can't. What are you saying? Are you breaking up with us? Not quite, Tin Man. Not quite. I'm made of iron, asshole. And I'm mostly water. Together, all we do is rust. This metaphor is getting away. Gods. <laughs> this metaphor is getting away from me, but all this is to say that we just aren't like-minded enough. You fail to see the true power grab here. There's more to life than the Avengers, folks. What are you talking about? Are you leaving? Giving up what? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this could have been an email. <laughs> 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 no, I couldn't do this over the phone. I just want us all to get on the same 
page. We see the Vagender grow to about 10 feet tall and surround and surround themselves with inky black tentacles that are ready to pounce. No, 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 not again! It'll be different this time, Ferryman. You'll become part of me, you and your baubles. Bridget, what do you see? Quick! We see Bridget activate her monocle and then start to cry. The scene turns black. You Chapter 11. You definitely yeah. accidentally said the Vagender earlier. I yeah. 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 Keeping it. yeah, leave it in. It's yeah. great. I just, I like it. you definitely said the vagender. <laughs> I like the vagender. That's you, gotta be someone's Twitter handle. I'll say when, when the characters uh, comes on stage, that's the vagender reveal. <laughs> yes. Chapter 11, a Christmas plan. The Avengers are sitting in the throne room and Montanero with Chris at the head of the room. All right, Chris, spill the milk. What's this all about? Okay, so it sounds a bit nutty, but bear with me. A few weeks ago, I got this vision. A vision in my head. The vision showed me a terrible scene of this horrible monstrosity killing you all. Killing you all, destroying the world. In the vision, I saw flashes of the games as well as it was trying to tell me they were connected. A vision, Chris? Yeah, I know, I know. At first, I thought it was just stress or some vision because of some unnecessary beef. There was something about these images that seemed real. Unbelievably and horribly real. So you called your siblings? Really? That was the first people you called? No, no, of course not. I first called Rage, and he felt the same way as me. Why didn't you call us? That's what I wanted to do, but Chris was hesitant. Why ever for? I didn't want to put you all in danger. If I didn't get you involved, then the, those visions just wouldn't come true. Well, if it was our choice? Well, of course you, you would answer the call. You're good people. Well, we're here now, Chris, so what's the plan? The plan is Jumanji. Using it to battle that thing that destroyed Miami and consume Fjord's Fury. It got to the third too, dear. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I should have brought it with me. That was a heavy burden and greater target to put on the North Pole. I just thought bringing it to where Jumanji was, was, well, too risky. Wait, Jumanji is here? It was here. Now it's... Director Rage points up, indicating that it's in the helicarrier. Queen Margaret stands up. <clears throat> Santa made the brash decision to stow it on our lands after picking it up on a beach in the Americas. The genius here tossed it in a dragon's cave when he was visiting out of the goodness of his heart last Christmas. We see a blip of a flashback in Montanero Nights of Santa just chucking the game into a mound of the Christmas dragon's gold when nobody was looking. What? Dragon's gold is super cursed. I figured the magic would interfere with each other. Oh, Chris. Stick to toys, friend. Anyway... Chris decided to return here and retrieve and contain it with our help while he makes his pitch to his family and the lovely highnesses here. What's the pitch? To use Jumanji's energy to combine our holiday power to fight the thing. So what's the holdup? The holdup is that we get nothing out of it. Just using our magic, the limited amount that I and Chrissy have, with no benefit to us. We want a better deal. They want to be co-signers onto the deed to Christmas. Well, it only seems fair. Mom and Dad always wanted us to run the holiday together. We do. Y'all do your your holiday whimsy assistance through spells just showing up at the right moments in people's lives. And I do the gift part. We share it. Not legally. Oh my god. The audience of the Avengers just look on astounded. <laughs> I'm glad we don't argue like that, Luigi. Me too. A beat rest between them. Did you have a will? A door opens <laughs> to the room before Romario can answer. Running through the door, we see shard agent Jenny Honey run up to Director Rage. 
Director Rage, sir. Whoever that person was that was fighting them failed. They all seem to disappear as well. We need to get moving then. Montanera is no longer a safe location. A moving target is harder to hit. Give the order to pull our forces out. Start with this room. Continue this conversation in the helicarrier. All right, everyone. If you aren't a local and don't have a visa, then you need to move, move, move. <laughs> the shard agents begin to exit. Jenny Honey spots Mrs. Z. Florence Zimmerman, it's an honor to meet you. I've read like every file on you and your long history in the magical world. Oh, that's flattering, I think. Jenny eyes Lewis. Oh, and you must be Lewis. I've only ever seen pictures of you when you were really young. Oh, yeah, well, it's nice to meet you. Honor's all mine. Hey, this is sort of embarrassing, but could I get a picture? I mean, I guess. Is this for some file? No, just for me. Oh, well then, absolutely. <laughs> Jenny holds her phone and uses her magic to make it hover and move to get the three of them into the frame and take the picture. Mom's gonna flip. As the room empties, we see the four Hudgens remain in their thrones. Hannibal and Rage approach them. Your Highnesses, will you please join us? We recommend a full evacuation of your lands. This monster destroyed the entire peninsula of southern Miami. The Hudgens look at each other and smile. There have been monsters in these lands before, and we've handled them. One of the monsters was me. We'll be all right, Director Rage. Thank you for your concern. We have our own ways of dealing with such things. I hope the siblings can come to some sort of agreement. We will take our leave then. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not. <sighs> oh, and Mr. Smith? Yes, Your Majesty? There's a gardening shed near the transport up to the Shard Carrier. He's told me to tell you to go there. It'll be better if it happens there. Hannibal looks on in astonishment and nods. Chapter 12, Avenger Hannibal Smith. Outside the palace, the max exodus is taking place as shard troops roll their van into the ramps leading into the helicarrier. Sky Captain drives his plane into the carrier's bay. Jenny leads the rest of the team onto the carrier, everyone except Hannibal Smith, who seems to be lingering at the bottom of the ramp. Colonel, you good? Hannibal doesn't answer. He just stares into the empty field in front of the palace, a field that suddenly becomes unempty, as if they just apparated into thin air, the 10-foot-tall Vegeta appears. We see that they now have the bobbles affixed to them as if they had been grafted onto their jet-black skin. Well, 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 look at me casually late to the party. The Vegeta grabs a shard agent and just, just absorbs them into themselves with little effort. The monocle around their eye glows, and they slice another agent in half as they were readying a shot at the Vegeta. A group of shard agents surround the Vegeta. Hey, no fear. There's way more of you. The Vegeta uses the mitosis power that Piccolo demonstrated earlier to create five versions of themselves who begin attacking the crowd. This brutalness continues as they casually walk towards the helicarrier's ramp. Sky Captain eyes Hannibal, grabs a rocket launcher and a box of ro mini rockets nearby, and kicks them down to him. We need to buy rage time and get this bird in the air. Hannibal loads a shell in the launcher and fires it towards the group of the Vegetas, blowing all of the copies away, leaving only the original. Romario leaps down the ramp and growls. Luigi jumps down and joins them. Before they begin to charge at the Vegeta, the sky opens up as if a portal to heaven just suddenly opened. Two crates with question marks on them fall to the ground and break open. We see two things, a spinning blue shell and a red and yellow flower. They look at each other and nod. Luigi grabs the blue shell, and Romario eats the what? fire flower. 
Let's, let's go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> they charge. As they do, the Vegeta splits into ten copies this time. Luigi grabs the blue shell and throws it at the first one he sees. It blasts through him and the other copies that stood behind him. Romario eats the fire flower, and we see the steam shoot out of their ears. They open their mouth, and flames start shooting out wildly. Ah, hot, 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 hot. Romario just runs wildly into the crowd of the Vegetas, burning them and catching them on fire as they pass. Hannibal continues to blast them with rockets as support. Sky Captain, Jenny, and Mrs. Z continue to assist in getting people onto the carrier. We see the engines start. Up, up, up there. I don't think so. The Vegeta orders two of their replicates to dive into one of the engines. Them doing so causes it to smoke and shut down. On the bridge, we see a flashing red screen and Rage getting pissed. Why aren't we taking off? Our left main engine is down, sir. There seems to be something preventing it from moving. We don't have time for this. He walks up to a switch with the logo of a duck on it. He flips the switch and we hear an alarm start. We see a thunderbolt shoot down from the sky on top of the helicarrier where it strikes. We see Howard the Duck, God of Thunder. They, they wear the classic Thor garb with the wing cap and the red cape. Hey, who flipped my knob? <laughs> we hear Rage speaking over the radio into Howard's helmet. Howard, we have an emergency. We're being attacked by an impossible foe. They've stalled one of our engines. Mind giving us a jump? Impossible foe? So... You call the impossible foul. <laughs> I really wouldn't have if I wasn't desperate. Wow. Way to make me feel special. Yeah, we did it for this. Ugh. Howard flies up and then lands in the middle of the battle alongside Romario and Luigi. He eyes the engine in question and makes his way towards it. Multiple replicates try to interfere with his leisurely walk to the machine. He gives them finger guns, and lightning shoots out, exploding its body into multiple gory pieces. He yells at a few of them, and sonic waves blow up their heads. He just leaps fro- frogs over one of them just for fun. Eventually, he reaches the engine, holds Mjolnir, and channels lightning into it. The helicarrier starts to ascend. Romario, Luigi, ready to roll. Luigi throws one more shell into a replicate skull before retreating. Romario's fire flower ends and they turn around to leave. We see the Vegeta making eyes at them. Now. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Now. Do it. Shia Yes. They shoot a seemingly laser-guided tentacle arm across the battlefield right at Romario. It hits them dead in the chest and starts to drag them in. Romario! No! Luigi runs towards his sibling and tries to pull them free. Romario is seemingly knocked out and cannot fight to free themselves. Hannibal sees this scene and attempts to fire rockets into the Vegeta to break their pull on the Mario siblings, but they are indestructible and it's to no avail. The Mario siblings are consumed into the body of the Vegeta with no hope for escape. Poor one out for the Mario. Just noticing a lot of the characters I voice are dying in this one. (laughs) I mean, I feel like maybe Madison's just trying to catch you a break. 
Yeah, yeah, no. You're voicing half uh, the cast, and Kylie's doing the other half. <laughs> I have to thin the numbers because I uh, because too many people have been conversations with themselves. Also, for, bu- for budget reasons, I mean, for budget, yeah. You wouldn't believe what Mira Sorvino charges for these films. Yeah, yeah, and John Leguizamo, holy shit. Yeah, forget about it. In this economy, Hannibal. Lo- God, I just realized you had John Leguizamo play two different characters in this movie. Holy shit, I did. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh. That's true. The fucking American Horror Story shit. Oh my god. Hannibal looks at Sky Captain. Raise the ramp and go. No, not without you. Come on. Sorry, kid. Not part of the plan. Hannibal loads another rocket into the chamber of his launcher and blows the lock off the ramp, and it slowly <laughs> begins to rise. Because that's how it works. Uh, the, the carrier Shut is a rocket now. at that? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's fine. He blew fine. the ramp off. <laughs> Movie magic, baby. I love when a fan comes together. <laughs> That's credits on another episode of The Equalizer. The carry is now about 10 feet off the ground and getting ready to ascend more. No, no, no. Lewis, Mrs. Z, do you have a spell for a magic rope or bungee? Hannibal is about to play hero down there, and we're not, not about to let that happen. What? Mrs. Z looks down at Hannibal as he continues to shoot and fight the Vegeta with rockets and and works his way into the garden shed. I don't. I'm sorry. We have regular rope. Jenny holds Jenny holds a spool of rope in her hands. Sky Captain ties the bit around his waist and ties off the other two at the end of a pillar nearby. I'll be back. Sky Captain leaps from the carrier before the door closes and heads down to the ground. He sees the Vegeta approaching the garden shed a few yards away. In the shed, Hannibal looks around for something to brace the door with. He's in the middle of moving a wheel a wheelbarrow when the door blasts off its hinges. He aims the last rocket he has at the doorway. Ah, Colonel Hannibal Smith. Didn't think I'd get you so easily. Yes. Yes. Do it. 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 Kill Count Dooku. Do the thing. Do it. We here at Nike are proud to present this new collaboration with the Vegeta. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am doing it. I yes. am doing it. I am. God, I'm doing it. Hannibal looks wearily. The Vegeta regains their composure. Ugh, sorry. You ever have just one of those days where you can't escape the voices in your head? Every single day. Right, 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 right. You're the one with the plans. So, how'd this one go? Working so far. What, do you think you're buying time for your friends? I'll catch up with them after this little climax. The Vegeta looks directly at the camera. So I guess me begging for their lives is out of the question? You're not going to kill them just like Romario and Luigi? Kill them? No, you misunderstand. They aren't dead. We see from within their torso the shapes of Luigi and Romario's faces screaming beneath Vegeta's hide. They are just along for the ride. You see, they're superhumans. They have skills that I can use and exploit. Unlike you, my friend, you're just some guy. No powers, nothing in your blood that makes you grand. Hell, I'd probably get lung disease since you smoke those cigars so much. Yeah, sorry, Colonel. No offense taken. Can we just get on with it? In a moment. Before I gut you, I want to hear you say it. Say it? Yeah. You know the catchphrase? The one from the commercials. Say it. I don't think so. I always say that at the end of the plan. This is definitely nowhere near the end of the plan. 
Man with principles. How boring. From outside, we hear Sky Captain shouting for Hannibal. Hmm. Maybe if I torture the moody pilot, I can get you to say it. The Vegeta turns towards Sky Captain uh, in the doorway. Sky Captain takes out his gun and aims. The Vegeta throws a blast of energy his way with a lazy flick of the hand. It hits Sky Captain square in the face. Sky Captain yells in pain as we see him fall. Hey, ugly. You know what I love? The Vegeta turns around and smiles. I love blowing your ass up. The Vegeta frowns and sighs. Hannibal pulls the trigger on the rocket, which blows up the shed in an amazing and powerful blast. As the helicarrier ascends, we see the rope tied to Joe go taut and start to pull him up into the sky as the garden shed burns and smokes below. No movement is seen. It's Act 3, Chapter 13, Shards and Pieces We hear beeps of a hospital heart monitor. A heavily bandaged Joe sits in the hospital bed. His entire face is wrapped. We see Lewis and Jenny sitting in their chairs nearby. Ugh, Hannibal. He's awake. I'll go get Mom. A few moments later, Mrs. Z and the shard medic, Matilda Honey, enter the room. Mr. Sullivan. I'm happy to see you're awake. You've been out for hours, dear. We hear Joe mumble beneath the bandages. Matilda removes the bandages covering his eyes so he can look at them. Mr. Sullivan, I'm sorry to say that your wounds are quite severe. I did the best I could reconstructing your facial structure magically, but unfortunately, non-glamour healing has only come so far. Do you understand what I'm saying? Joe looks at Mrs. Z and then at Matilda and nods. Matilda removes the bandages and then holds up a mirror to Joe's face. We no longer see the face of Jude Law, but the face of Ewan McGregor. Oh my yes. God, Madison. The role no, of Sky Captain. No. Yes, the role of Sky Captain has been recast and is going forward will be played by Michael Knoll. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> You absolute piece of shit. For anyone anyone who doesn't know, this is based off the fact that when we did our Sky Captain trilogy, I said that I was 99% sure Ewan McGregor was Sky Captain. I remembered seeing him on the posters as a kid. Like, I would have sworn, I would have bet any amount of money Ewan McGregor was Sky Captain until we did that episode. What a pull. What a pull, you absolute fucker. My gift to you. <laughs> wow. Sky Captain touches his face and then puts the mirror down. Florence, Hannibal, Luigi, Romario, are they? She opens her arms out for a hug and they embrace. The scene fades out. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. So angry. We see Lewis just one, sort of wandering around the helicarrier. He enters an area called Transformative Defense Research. A young woman in a lab coat wearing a pink shirt and orange shorts stops him. It's Dora the Explorer. Hi there. Uh, hi. Sorry, I'm a bit lost. These hallways are sort of confusing. We see her stare blankly at him and continue to smile. <laughs> it's fun to be lost sometimes. <laughs> You find some of the most interesting things when you are somewhere you aren't familiar with. That's true, I guess. Do you want to see some of my research? Stop. (laughs) What? 
What is happening? <laughs> she stares blankly at him and considers he considers it for a few seconds. Sure. She grabs his wrist and drags him into a room. In this department, we see multiple containment rooms with different specimens inside. Director Rage is having me study and observe the characteristics of these creatures that Shard has obtained. We see in one of the rooms a blue ball seemingly running around the entire oh room in rapid speed. <sighs> when Lewis looks in... And I mean, it was stops. on the list. What did you expect? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog was in the homework. What did you think? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to bat for you here, Madison. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This when is Lewis stupid, though. And the ball stops and we see Sonic the Hedgehog approach the glass and bang on it. We cannot hear what he is saying. Obtained or captured? I try not to think about that. I'm just lucky to have a job that pays me a salary that puts me in the upper middle class. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I like that you killed the communists and then introduced to replace them this capitalist drone. In another room, we see Swiper the Fox sitting on a chair reading a copy of the Red-Headed you League by Arthur Conan Doyle. piece of shit. Absolute piece of shit. <laughs> this is kind of the hidden room in my video game. Well, you know, I find all the Easter eggs. Um <laughs> So what does Shard want to know about these creatures? Everything. Mainly the origin of their super abilities. Are they innate? Are they part of evolution? Are they from another dimension where large mutant reptiles do karate? That's hyper-specific. You'd be surprised what Shard has obtained and discovered. As they leave the room, we see one last containment room with a very tiny, unassuming, and adorable dog with a placard that reads, Questing Beast. Never feed never open. They quickly move to another research apartment titled Temporary Dimensional Travel Research. Jenny is standing in front of one of the observation rooms where a team of scientists is observing a zipper that is seemingly floating in in the middle of the air, attached to nothing. In an adjacent room, we see a group of scientists trying to pull a solid gold ring apart. Lewis, hello. I see that Dora's been showing you around. Yeah, I saw your animal facility. Lewis shudders. The morality of that hallway is a bit dicey. (laughs) This hallway, though, this is where the party's at. What's this hallway studying? The multiverse. The traveling to the multiverse, that is. Ever since Hannibal ascended into heaven a year ago, Rage has been obsessed with trying to find a way to open a portal. Why is that? Does he think there is something to get from the potential alternate dimension? Keep out is more likely. He and the heads of Shard are afraid of a doomsday scenario. I don't blame them. Me and Mom fought our own demon before coming aboard. Well, maybe if they'd focus on the demons in this universe, some of our friends might still be alive. Yeah, maybe. Rage seems laser focused on finding the tie that links the multiverse together, though. I'll let you give him the review. Be a tough boss. Nah, he's a puppy dog. Seems like his boss is a real, uh... Dick? Yes, that. Dick. They share a, ma- they, they share a laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you do magic long? Is that some sort of pickup line for warlocks? No, not at all. I mean, it could be somewhere for some warlocks. I just saw you using a float spell down there for the picture. Did your mom teach you? Yeah, some. Mom is way more powerful than me. I don't know if I'll ever be as powerful or practiced as her. Shard is trying to expand their arcane research, and I'm assisting them. Hmm. I've certainly read a lot, just haven't done a lot. Hmm. 
Fanny, you both have impressively magic mothers. <laughs> it's certainly made for an eventful life. I mean, have you ever ripped an archangel's wings off? What? We move to the upper deck of the carrier and see uh, Skycap, uh, Mrs. Z, Rage, Anya, and other members of Shard watch the Christmas siblings continue to go at it. Sky Captain looks super annoyed. You know why you gotta have it, Jules? Why is that? You know the vision, man. Oh, here we go. Mr. I'm the most creative in the family. You do the same thing every year, like on autopilot. You're so predictable these days. That's not true. If I'm being completely honest, the tidings and joy have seemed a little phoned in in the last few decades. Kind of seems like you sold out. Sold out? I'm trying to keep up with the times. Kids want video games and fidget spinners. I can't help what's popular. I'm not saying don't follow the trend, but do you have to do it so... so performatively? Lewis and Jenny join the others on the deck. We any closer to the consensus, Director? If this goes on much longer, I'm going to get one of the hedgehog's rings and dive into the first dimension that opens. We return to the conversation. Okay, okay. I have an ego. I'll admit that. And we love your ego. We just wish you wouldn't put up so many walls and keep us out. (laughs) We want to help you and do things as a family. We aren't trying to invade. We're trying to engage. Let's build a bridge, eh? Chris sighs and shakes his head and then stands up. You're right, Jules. We should give it a shot. We'll split it three ways. Chris waves his hand and we see the deed to Christmas and, and an inked quill appear. That sounds amazing to me, brother. Thank you. Chrissy, what do you say? No deal. We should include Donnie if we're really going to do this as a family. Donnie? Donnie? He doesn't give a reindeer's gouge about Christmas. Gooch. Oh, okay. That's what speak gooch. <laughs> <laughs> I spelled it wrong. I've never seen it written before, so we're both even. He doesn't give a... <laughs> Sorry. It's funnier. It's funnier when it's gooch. <laughs> Another great whole quote for this episode. It's funnier when it's gooch. He doesn't give a reindeer's gooch about Christmas. I don't care. Mom and Pa wanted us to do this as a family from the beginning, and Donnie should be a part of this. No Donnie? No deal. Chris and Jules look at each other with worry. Okay. Well, fine. We'll ask him. Rage. Oh, my can God. A, can we get a TV out here? <laughs> I, just, I just figured out who oh. Donnie is. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, there were two things. Two things I thought that would, like, just, like, really, like, make Mike go, oh, my God. One was the Sky Captain recast. The other was the Don Knotts. I didn't even look ahead. I'm just sitting here like, who, Donnie, who's Donnie going to be? And it just hit me. It's Don fucking Knotts, the Christmas lich or the TV lich. <laughs> Go ahead. An old, an old box TV gets rolled out and they turn on, they turn on the dial. In the screen, we see Don Notch lich fade into view. Hi, Donnie. Dear, how are Christy, you? Chrissy, is that you? And is that Chris and Jules? Did someone die? Am I missing the funeral right now? No, Don. Nobody you know is dead. Andy is. <laughs> we wanted to chat, Don. Chris seems to think he would want to join her and Jules and co-signing Christmas. Oh, I see. I'm turning into uh, Jimmy Stewart now. <laughs> 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 so they finally broke you, huh? They didn't break me. We're combining our match to fight a great evil, and their condition was to co-sign Christmas. You and her out. Well, I was going to transport two guys from Newark into the show Entourage later today to teach them about the price of fame, but 
I guess I can push that back. Hold on. The TV crackles and hisses with necrotic energy, and a spectral ghostly static form of Don Knotts fades into view. Oh, hey, look at that. Are we up in the sky? Hey, remember when that... <laughs> hey, remember that show Wings? What a great show. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I hate that. I hate that punchline better. <laughs> what a great show. There it is, see? I'm already written this. <laughs> Each of the siblings signed the deed to Christmas one by one. There we go. Just like that. It's done. Can we get to the part where y'all help me save the world? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? They walk towards where Rage and the rest are standing. Are we finally out in agreement? Yep, we are a big and powerful magic family again. Bring out Jumanji. He is smiling and laughing, but no one else seems to find it very funny. <laughs> Sky Captain and Mrs. Z approach. Now that you aren't detained in family business, I'd really like to talk to you about this staff, Chris. Chris looks at it and opens it up a few times. Huh, pretty. A little flasher than usual style, but change it up is always nice. No, not the style, Chris. I want to talk about where you got it or how you made it. I've had a dickens of a time trying to get it to do exactly what I want. When we were trying to do the soul transference spell with Romario, for instance... Oh, gonna stop you right there, Flo. I've never seen this thing before. Well, whatever do you mean? It said from Chris on the package. I got it the same day Joe got his new plane from you. New plane? Yeah, it was in my hangar as of yesterday morning. You're saying that you didn't give us these gifts? I reckon toys and Christmas joy. Don't really get to the magically enhanced accessories and weapons of war. Then who in the world? An alarm goes off suddenly. Chapter 14. Back to the beginning. On the edge of the deck, the Vegeta appears. They seem to have adopted some of Romario's wolf-like features. There are patches of hair in some places, and the top of their mouth is equipped with very sharp teeth. They are getting more fucked up and like an Akira-like monster by the minute as they continue fusing themselves with others. The rest are here. You're nearly done. You're nearly done. The Santa, Santa, the the pilot. I don't know how to whisper. I don't know how to whisper. I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Goody Proctor kissing Santa. Uh, Stop it. I'm doing it. I'll do it after I get the last game. Further up on the deck, we rejoin the heroes as they await for the shard agents to bring the game out. I'm going to get to the hangar. Get Lewis and meet me there, Mrs. Z. We're going to get out of here. What do you mean, Joe? I mean, I'm not sticking around here waiting for that thing to eat me. You shouldn't either. We should run. I'm not going to leave these people. Think of Jenny. It's Think of Chris. It's trying to kill us, Florence. Well, maybe Chris and his siblings have it handled. We pan over and look at them standing aw- around awkwardly. It's like the world's saddest AARP <laughs> members meeting. Come on. I'm staying. Lewis walks up. Of course we're staying. I'm not leaving Rage, Jenny, Matilda, Jenny, Dora, and Jenny to their deaths. I'm fighting. (laughs) Oh, God. They both look at each other and laugh. See you, lover boy. I hope I'm wrong. Sky Captain walks off and goes towards the hangar. We see shard agents carry out Jumanji and bring it out to Chris and the siblings. All right, Chris, this better be worth it. My bosses don't know I have the game and they aren't about to find out that I'm about to lose it. Let's make this fast. Let's light this candle. Chris gives Anya a kiss before approaching the game with his siblings. 
The shard agents give them a wide berth as they begin to channel. The I wrote that you said the shard agents give them a kiss. That's the thing. <laughs> 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 they give them a kiss. Just a Christmas kiss. Yeah, how you like walk on the line and high five everybody. Walk on the line. Every shard agent just gives them a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> I thought about giving like Jules and Chrissy like to be like very like heavily romantic characters because of their movies, but I kind of like decided not to like follow that. <laughs> so could have happened. In the Snyder Cut. In the Snyder Cut. <laughs> From Santa's hands, we see a familiar coal dust magic enter and swirl around the game. Jules combines his emerald green magic, Chrissy her bright orange, and Donnie adds his gray static magic as well. The four siblings' spells uh, spell w- swirls around and into the game, which pulsates with a green light and begins to suck them into it. They all turn translucent and start swirling around each other like ghosts in a tornado until they spin faster and faster until they are all funneled into the game's glass screen. After they are gone, the area goes silent for a moment. Then from within the game, a giant rainbow-colored ghost emerges from the game that towers about 10 stories tall. It's shaped like an angel. The siblings have successfully taken the form of the Christmas spirit. (laughs) Wow. The Christmas spirit charges forth, swirling majestically through the air towards the front of the carrier. The Vegeta smiles as they see it approach. Ah, Jumanji, there you are. Let's see if we can get you out of there. The Vegeta charges forth and meets the Christmas spirit in the middle and collides with it. I'm honestly too tired of thinking of cool fight scenes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to phone it in right here and say that the impact of these two incredible powers creates a shockwave of energy that is so destructive it bisects the helicarrier and it all starts falling from the sky. I I hit that same wall, I'll tell you. You just get too tired of describing fight scenes. I'm with you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Everyone evacuate now. We're going down. The, the Christmas spirit and the Vegeta twirl around each other, exchanging blows, ignorant of the collateral damage they are causing in the process. We see that the bisection of the carrier has caused multiple power failures throughout the facility, and all the doors open on the research levels. As soon as the door opens, Sonic the Hedgehog rushes out of their room and grabs the ring in the temporary dimensional travel research department, throws it up against a wall, and rushes through the portal. Swiper the Fox just sort of sneaks out and hopes for the best. <laughs> The questing beast doesn't know what to do, so it just sits there looking adorable with big puppy eyes staring at the camera, making us all feel guilty and worried. We rejoin Mrs. Z on the deck. She's having a hard time keeping her balance as the ship descends rapidly. Lewis, where are you? Lewis is nowhere to be found on the deck because he's running to the below decks to try and help Dora and Matilda escape. As they move up a stairwell, we see the room collapse in on itself, and we can no longer see them. On the deck... Mrs. Z is using her magic to block falling debris from crushing some shard agents. She looks in the distant sky and we see Sky Captain's Warhawk flying away from the carrier. He made it out. An arm grabs hers. It's Jenny Honey's. Mrs. Z, we need to leave now. We're two minutes to impact. We don't want to be here when that happens. We see Rage flip the duck switch again and we start hearing the Howard the Duck music. He meets Jenny and Mrs. Z on the bridge. This way to the escape shuttle. We return to the battle between the Christmas Spirit and the Vegeta. They are seemingly evenly matched as they exchange blows. Is this the part of the fight where they stand like uh, 10 meters apart and just pant for about six minutes while they remember yeah. the last episode? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, this is when the announcer comes in and is like, 
last time on the Avengers 2. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I find it very tedious trying to punch a ghost. I hope you know that. The Christmas spirit takes a moment to look and look at them and flips them off and sticks out its tongue. Try harder for oh, your own Stop making Stop making excuses. Why does Madison not know how to whisper? Kill him, better man. Is it like I've never whispered in my life? Is it like a DNA thing or nature versus nurture? My throat. Yeah. Madison doesn't have a whisper gland. The Vegeta screams, and from their body, hundreds of fleshy black tendrils, uh, black and bloody tendrils and replicates emerge from their chaotic torso in a disgusting and furious rage. It is a hellish and maddening sight to behold. We see bodies and bodies and tendrils and tendrils go everywhere. The tendrils in particular shoot outwards in a straight line for miles, and everything in their path is either destroyed or gets stuck to them. One of the things that the tendril strikes and destroys is Sky Captain's fleeing Warhawk. The Warhawk falls 200 feet out of the sky and drops to a fiery explosion below. From this point on, we see flashes of the events of the first scene of the movie with Jenny, Mrs. Z, and Rage finding Sky Captain, Sky Captain's wreck. They save him, and along with Howard the Duck fight the Vegeta. You all saw it. It's just like little flashes of memories of that stuff happening really fast. If you remember, they were they were seemingly boned and about to be consumed by the Vegeta when they heard a very loud and long zip. A figure emerges from the white portal that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And we hear a voice and see a USR robot. The USR robots are from iRobot and WeRobot, if we remember. And the robot approaches the group. Hello, Joe Sullivan. You must come with me. Sky Captain looks up and Mrs. Eve looks back at the door. She aims her umbra staff at the Vegeta and unleashes an enormous blast of purple energy at them. Go, Joe. Go. I'm not leaving you. Yes, you are. Mrs. Z waves her hand towards him, Jenny and Howard, and a wave of energy unleashes, blasting them through the portal along with the USR robot who opened it. As the portal closes on the other side, Sky Captain sees the Vegeta overtake Mrs. Z and consume her body. In the arms of the angels, (laughs) fly away from here. For me. Oh my god, Zoom just asked if we're playing music. Oh, oh really? God. <laughs> Definitely. You hit not. the pitch. I did it. You hit the pitch. Chapter 15. New Heaven. The bright light fades and we're we are able to focus on the room that we are in. It is a seemingly seemingly endless land of white space. Sorry for the delay. We were trying to pinpoint your location in time and space, and it was somewhat difficult to pinpoint your whereabouts. Um, it's okay, I guess. I don't mean you're rude, but who are you? Where the hell are we? Hell? This is actually the antithesis of hell, technically speaking. The maker will explain soon. Oh, God. Sky Captain looks at Howard the Duck and Jenny. Both of them shake their heads and follow. Eh, this place is too white for me. Bet it costs a fortune to keep this place clean. I mean, I think it's just marvelous. Jenny, is this magic? Mm, It's hard to be certain, but I don't think so. This seems like something new and extraordinary altogether. The USR robot who has made some distance turns back at them and shouts please travel faster there is little time they follow the usr robot along what seems like an endless hallway passing a lot of doors okay i'll ask nicer this time what is this place this is the afterlife the afterlife you mean like heaven in a way oh no does that mean we visit big one back there no you are just visiting visiting yes 
It's not your time, but when it is, the maker will provide you with your own rooms. They seem to walk down more and more hallways, making turns every so often that lead down just more hallways. Look, this tour is nice and all, but we really have to get back. Our friends are back there fighting that thing. A door opens suddenly, and Andrew Martin from Bicentennial Man and Bicentennial Soul comes out of the door. I'm afraid there's just no helping your friends at this point. They're about to lose their battle. Everyone in your world will be consumed by the Vegeta within the next few days if proper interference isn't executed. Jenny, Joe, and Howard all look at each other with sullen looks of defeat. Joe leans up against one of the walls and falls to the ground. Then it's over. There's no hope now. That thing won. Jenny leans down and puts a hand on his shoulder and then looks up at Andrew in the USR robot. You mean everyone? Mom? Dora? Lewis? Jenny starts to tear up. The whole world. Beverly. We had no chance. We know once that green guy and the spiky-haired kid got eaten. If Chris's family can't beat him with their powers combined with one of the games of power, then who can? We'll all be dead like all of them soon. None of your friends are dead. That's the problem. I'm not following. Please, come with me. I'll explain on the way. <laughs> it's like an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk in, in, in Robot Heaven. <laughs> it is. It really is. Andrew turns to the USR robot. Peter, thank you for your assistance. You may go back to your room now until it is time. Sounds good. I will see you all soon. Joe, Jenny, and Howard pick themselves up and start to follow Andrew. As they, w- as they walk by rooms, we notice names etched to some of the doorways. You pass a room with the name Harold Zidler on it, and from within it we hear a cacophony of music and dancing inside. Another room reads Robbie Wheeling, aka Pardue from Mazes and Monster. We hear the sounds of dice rolling and maniacal laughter. You see, ever since I opened up shop here, I've made it my constant goal to make things more efficient for people once they die. Not only that, we've done our best to... Not only that, we've done our best to make sure everyone's personal heavens are keyed just right. Yes, indeed. Once once one perishes in their dimension, a room is automatically made for them here. In these rooms, people can live out their eternities in their most ideal paradises. Howard uh, eyes a door with the name Oseldorf on it and opens it. We see Oseldorf from the Turin Horse dancing on his kitchen table with a bunch of clearly wet potatoes surrounding him as he drinks his flagger of bourbon. Howard then closes the door. Doesn't it get, you know, boring for the after a while? Very astute observation, thunderous duck. <laughs> yes, people do get bored. Some people are actually pretty hard to please. That is why I made these rooms adaptable. Constantly changing to the wants of the individual. Never locked in. What if someone doesn't know what will make them happy? Then they are able to adjust the room how they see fit for the moment. Life, even after it is over, is never always bliss, I'm afraid. I myself had quite a journey after I died. So what's the point of all this, Mr. Architect? Ah, here we are. Andrew gestures to a door. Sky Captain looks at it in astonishment. The door reads, Hannibal Smith. Andrew then opens the door. They walk into the room, which appears to be a recreated version of his cabin, uh, of Hannibal's cabin in the Mountain Valley that we visited before. What's different about it this time, however, is that it seems lived in and comfortable. Instead of the packed bags and supplies at the ready in case of a possible, of case of the possible need of a hasty exodus, he seems to have made this place his own. We see a bar cart with a myriad of whiskey glasses, a comfortable bed with a wooden frame that seems to be handcrafted. 
there are landscape portraits hung on some of the walls. They clearly have been painted by Hannibal himself. They are fine. (laughs) On one of the walls, we see a bulletin board sitting over a desk. On the board, there are pictures of him and the rest of the A-team from the war and from their times in L.A., as well as some letters from friends. In particular, there are a series of letters here from Mrs. Z. We cannot read the full contents of the letters, but we can see that they are having a game of chess via mail going back and forth, seemingly with each other. Judging by the numbers of letters scattered about, it seems like they have been doing this for months. Standing at one of the windows, smoking a cigar, and looking out at a parked black GMC Vendor with a red swoosh going alongside is Colonel Hannibal Smith smoking a cigar. Instead of being played by Liam Neeson, though, he is now being played by George Peppard, the original Hannibal Smith from the show, and is now voiced by Madison Jones. Uh, <laughs> he turns just around. Just for the record, so we don't get tweets, it is George Peppard. <laughs> But say it however you want. George That's Picard. fine. I just don't want the fucking A team nerds who are hardcore fans sure. to add us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, you took long uh, enough. Hi, Colonel. I think we're a past honorifics, kid. They're no good here, anyhow. Yeah. Um. Why do you look different? Ah, uh, yeah. I had always hoped I looked like my father, so I sort of just conjured this form. I can switch back if it would make you feel more comfortable. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Uh, No, no, it's okay. I'm looking a bit different myself these days. Looks like it. You caught that trying to go after me? Yeah, Colonel. I mean Hannibal. Well, don't say I never did anything for you, kid. (laughs) They laughed gently. (laughs) (laughs) Not to interrupt, but... What the heck is going on? Why are we here? I too would like some explanation. Is there a plan, Colonel? Yes, there is. We'll get to that in time. But first, I owe you an apology, Joe. I was afraid I wasn't completely honest with you when you asked me if I had received a gift or not. So Chris Chris sent you something? Not Chris. Those gifts actually come from me. They turn around and see Stan Lee God standing in the doorway. So the flower and blue shell for Luigi and Romario were from you too? Object of my creation with what little power I have left. Stan Lee God turns to Andrew and gives a stare. Andrew shrugs. I also gave you your impressive flying machine, kid. Is it still in service? Afraid not. It's about in three pieces between two oaks back there. Andrew looks at Hannibal. Then we will definitely need to switch to plan C, version 3. Hannibal goes over to his desk and pilfers through a series of drawers and starts searching through folders. Ah, here it is. Hannibal reads through it and chuckles. Oh, wow. This one is fun. Yes, it's one of my favorites, to be honest. All right, well, it's time to get to work. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. What's this plan? And what was your gift, Hannibal? Oh, yes. My gift. Well, I suppose I should tell you. My gift was the only thing that was fitting for me. Just as all of the, your gifts were fitting for you. I tied myself to my the... Gift I'm was, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I see where you're going with that. I jumped the gun. I, I, I did. My gift was knowledge. Hannibal moves close to Joe and puts a hand on his shoulder. The knowledge that no matter what we did, no matter what our plan was, that I was always going to die by that thing. Even me knowing about it before all of you, every scenario scenario led to my death. You see, Mr. Martin here has the ability ability to look into multiple realities and see multiple futures. And he decided to share that knowledge with me. How could he possibly know that? 
Jenny turns to Andrew. How could you possibly know that? <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, just to prepare, Daniel, yes. you're going to have a lot of exposition coming up. Great, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. Oh, man. Let me explain. Time is short, so I'll give you the abbreviated version. <laughs> Some time ago, I made a meeting of the minds with the one you all know as Stan Liga. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Baffling implications there. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a philosophical debate with him about whether androids deserve to get into heaven. We came to an agreement that they would not get into Stan's heaven, but I could create my own. So I did just that. I made a new heaven, not for only robots and androids, but for all living sentient beings. Over time, my afterlife space grew and overtook the size and complexity of Stan's heaven, thus making it obsolete. You're telling me you ran a heaven out of business? In a way, yes. Stan honestly seemed relieved to have the opportunity to take the load off. Said he had resorted to playing uh, colorful children's games with old coots for entertainment by the end. Easy there, Martin. I mean, he has a point. Even in the afterlife, you chose to look and be older. Fair enough. Continue, Martin. Very well. Previously, Stan's afterlife was only connected to your world and your reality. I developed and advanced my afterlife to breach all realities and dimensions that exist <laughs> in known existence. Each dimension's afterlife, even if they did not have one before, now leads here to my own after its inhabitants perish. You see? That's how he knew I would always die. Mr. Martin here has a lens into every dimension imaginable. Wait. If that's true, then there are multiple versions of Hannibal from other dimensions that live here, too? Oh, quite so. There are even different versions of you here that have perished, Miss Honey. Would you like to meet them? <laughs> that hardly seems appropriate. Yeah, now they're pretty dug up, don't you think? Hey. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good at it. I'm not saying you need to. You just have the option. You are all my guests, after all. And it is only customary to be polite. I guess this place is the link between worlds that Rage was talking about. Yep, mystery solved. Too bad he's been consumed? Fusioned? I, I was only half paying attention. Joe takes Hannibal aside and whispers. Colonel, are you sure about this guy? I know he seems unsettling, but I think it would be even more unsettling if a god weren't a little unconventional, right? That's a good line. I can still hear you. I hear everything and see everything that happens here. A bit of a perk of creating an infinite space that bends space and time. Well, what a wonderful new and exciting mystery of the universe to know. When you die, you are thrown into a fleshy robot's peep show. No knocking boots are doing the solo cha-cha in heaven, folks. Wow. <laughs> I give my tenants their, uh, privacy. All right, Mr. Omniscient. Martin. Yeah, I don't give a crap what your name is. Are you going to go down there and zap that thing or what? I'm afraid it's not that simple. I cannot leave this realm. This place is a fine-tuned and delicate machine. It takes a lot for me to keep it running. I'm barely holding everything together as we speak. Wow. Sounds like a living hell. The irony is not lost on me. <laughs> so what's the plan? Hannibal hands Joe the folder. First things first. We need to get you back in the sky, Flyboy. Stanley God interjects. I may be able to assist with that. Chapter 16. The Christmas spirit whirls its sparkling body around the giant jet black, wet and dripping tentacle body of the giant Vegeta. The Christmas spirit squeezes the Vegeta tight with its body. I, I'm really glad you kept the weirdly sexual energy yeah. of the Avengers films yeah. as well. I gotta, I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it level. The, the one tones, the two tones you kept are weird, fluid tubes and weirdly sexual <laughs> descriptions. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The Christmas spirit squeezes the Vegeta tight with its body like a boa constructor, trying to crush it, cr- to cr- trying to crush its prey. The Vegeta is just too strong and breaks the bondage, holding it, and then grabs the spirit's tail. The the Vegeta then swings the Christmas spirit's body up above its head a few times before pile-driving it into the ground below. The impact causes the holiday siblings to lose their focus and fall apart into a heap. No, we're done. Not enough magic. Done, Chrissy. Jules, <coughs> run for your lives. Too weak. Need cookies. I ain't going anywhere without you all. <laughs> this is worse than the last season of Dexter. Shut, Shut up, Donnie. Donnie. The holiday siblings each hold out a hand and send beams of magic aimed at the Vegeta, each matching their colors from before. The beams hit the beast, but are are not effective. We see the tower of black Akira-like tentacles consume and absorb them in, into Vegeta's body, along with Jumanji. There's a quiet that fills the space, and the Vegeta now, a monstrosity of body parts and dripping tentacles, stands still. Its eyes, now yellow and bloodshot, wince in intense pain. One more. One more. The pilot. You need, need the, the pilot. pilot. Sky I'm going to now talk louder than Madison. So you to die soon. Die soon. You will be free. free. Find, him. Find him. Consume Get him. This guy, this last one. Eat fresh. The Vegeta turns. <laughs> the Vegeta turns its head left and right searching, then up and down. It rushes in one direction and then another. It aimlessly searches the air desperately. They rush off to the wreckage of the Shard's helicarrier where uh, there are many people still emerging from the crash. We see Lewis and Dora leaning on each other as they make their way out to safety with other Shard members. It takes a moment, but they suddenly realize that the Vegeta is there. Lewis puts himself between Dora and the Vegeta and points his wand at him. <laughs> Bloody tentacles move across the Vegeta's face and weave into each other over and over again until they sculpt and form the face of Florence Zimmerman. Ma- Mom? What did you do to her? Oh, my boy. It's not so scary in here. You will see soon. 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 Very Soon. Lewis blasts a very powerful spell at the head of the Vegeta, blowing the vis- visage of Mrs. Z away. The Vegeta seems unfazed, though. That's my boy. The Vegeta charges forward and envelops Lewis Dora and the Shard agents in mere moments. We m- move to a busy city market filled with many kiosk shoppers and shopkeepers. Out of nowhere, Vegeta appears. Everyone in the square turns to look at the demonic-like figure that seemingly appears out of nowhere. An instant, the Vegeta sends hundreds of tentacles in every direction, grabbing every living being and pulls them into their self. They blink away, seemingly to a new city, to consume more until they find Sky Captain. We cut back to New Heaven and see Sky Captain, Hannibal, and crew are all gathered around a table covered with many papers. So what's this plan, Hannibal? As many parts, but basically... It's pretty shit. Pretty shit and oversimplification. It's very shit and relies on a lot of probability. Hmm. I love a gamble. I mean, so what are the details? We need the umbrella. A what? The umbrella. I believe Florence Zimmerman had it. Well, that's not good. She got killed by the Vegeta while we escaped, like all the others. She gave her life so we could get through the portal. The umbrella must have been destroyed with her. Agent Honey, with all due respect, that evaluation is only about 15% accurate. What do you mean? 
Like I said before, the issue is that no one is dead. Not yet, anyway. As previously stated, when people die, no matter what dimension they come from, a room is automatically made for them here. The Vegeta has consumed, by my calculation, 363 individuals within mere hours. No rooms, though. That means their entire selves are within that monstrosity that the Vegeta is. Both soul and body. So, we can save everyone? It's possible. Not probable, but possible. Jeez Louise, Fitzu could kill a mood at a funeral. How do we do this? They seem to be unbeatable. Have I taught you nothing, kid? There's a plan in everything. Remember the gifts from our host here? Yeah, my plane is toast, though. The plane was... was yeah, the plane was training, Joe. And only a minor part of the puzzle to give you a chance. You're our delivery boy, kid. Uh, sounds about right. What am I delivering? Not what? It's who? It's me, isn't it? Now you're getting it. Getting it? Getting what? Don't you see? The gifts. Your jet, Hannibal's information, Santa's visions, the fire flower, the blue shell. This is about Mrs. Z's umbrella. I am impressed, Miss Honey. I'm not following. The umbrella. It's a powerful spellcasting focus, capable of ripping the spirit out of a vessel. Lewis told me about it on the carrier. Scene redacted. Uh, she got consumed along with it. Can we make a new one? Afraid not. I put nearly all my life force into that thing. Plus, the maker here isn't too keen on the idea of making another soul ripper and sending it out into the world. These items cause too much chaos in the universe. Just look at the games of power and their path of destruction. We can't just spout out weapons that tear apart the DNA of the universe because we deem it plausible they might work if they get into the right hands. We disagree on this matter. We don't have enough time for me to create one anyway. So if not make another one, then... we Then we retrieve it. Jenny, do you think it can be done? If I'm close enough, I could scry for it on the Vegeta's person. It seemed to be unable of consuming anything inorganic. It's probably just stuck in a part of the Vegeta's body. We'd have to find it and then use it. You, you think you could wield it? Yeah. You okay, Kylie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> just stuck in a part of the Vegeta's body. Just stuck, just stuck in there. Just stuck in there. <laughs> Do you think you could wield it? It could be dangerous. Jenny looks around the room and locks eyes with everyone at least once. They are waiting with bated breath for her to answer. She nods. I can do it. Let's move to part two. We are going to need reinforcements. Hannibal walks over to a wheeled, uh, wheeled chalkboard that sits against one of the walls. He flips the chalkboard, which has a circle in the middle that reads New Heaven. We are right here in New Heaven. It is the sole, stable, and continual link between the multiverse. Normally, it's just a one-way journey uh, up till now, but thanks to our willing almighty God here, it's going to allow a one-time call to be sent out, and if answered, it will give us an edge to buy us enough time to get the umbrella. Wow. Talk about nowadays ex machina. Madison. What? You feeling generous, Fleshbot? Not particularly. <laughs> it is somewhat selfish, to be honest. The Vegeta, the Vegeta creates a paradox in regards to the absorbed individuals. Not alive, not dead, yet they are alive, and they are dead. Sorry. Uh, no, it's good. I, it's a bunch of bullshit exposition that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> the Krampus and his ilk didn't plan for Andy's lust for power to work with the simple rule of destroy the Avengers. Andy's lust for power is great, but so are the rigid rules of the positronic brain. 
they didn't think about the power of free will. Exactly. And thus, what is created is this paradox. By bringing the Avengers and others into their self, their souls are just trapped within an alive being and are held captive without means to escape. They will only be destroyed if they... They will only be destroyed if the being dies. But the Vegeta became immortal after absorbing these shopping... <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> we believe in you. They will only be destroyed if the being dies. But the Vegeta... <laughs> I mean, Jackson said generous flesh bot earlier, and we just let that go. Yeah, it took all my strength to do so. But the Vegeta became immortal after absorbing the shopping center <laughs> officer with the unfortunate. <laughs> oh, almost all the way. <laughs> I think it's I think it's yeah give it one more shot one more yeah (laughs) but the Vegeta became immortal after absorbing the shopping center officer with the unfortunate mustache this middle space that the Vegeta has created within themselves is something that the equation of my afterlife cannot aggregate so you don't like the Vegeta because they threw a wrench into your oh I see so so you don't like the Vegeta because they threw a wrench into your well-oiled heaven machine in a sense and simply said I also find some personal attachment to this particular phenomenon, with there being a positronic brain controlling and guiding its reasoning. Technically, the Vegeta is an android, after all. An immortal android with the power to regenerate and see briefly into the future, and a myriad of other abilities. Definitely a hard one to plan for and catch off guard. So how do we do it? How do we get a plan to outsmart an immortal being being driven by a paradox? Hannibal smiles, raises his cigar to his mouth, and takes a big puff by changing the answer. We smash cut and see the trio in a big white room with Stan Lee God. Their clothes have a great deal of battle damage and dirt that Stan Lee God shakes his head at. That won't do at all. Stan Lee God waves his hand in front of them, and we see that Howard's dented and feathered helmet and white ca- and and red cape are now replaced with a silver spiked helmet and a shimmering silver cape. Jenny is now wearing a leather and gold red jacket with multiple pockets, seemingly for spellcasting components, as they are labeled as such. Hold out your hand, please, Miss Honey. She does, and a blue ti- diamond-tipped scepter appears in her hands. Sky Captain's tattered flight jacket has been replaced with a gold and red leather one, and atop his head sits a matching aviator cap. And now for your new ride. Stan Lee God waves his hand and a P-14 Warhawk fades into, into the space. This one is bigger and has two seats. One for me, one for my gunner. He looks at Jenny. Hannibal walks to the room and strolls up to Joe. All right, Andrew is sending the message now. You all better get down there. A beat sits between them. Joe looks nervous. You know, I think you're all right, Joe. Maybe the Avengers. Not such a bad idea. If they release new toys after this one, though, can you get my little self a cigar? Sky Captain smiles. Sure. I'll push for a rocks glass as well. They share a grin. They don't kiss, but we could see how the audience might be led to believe that they are being subconsciously shipped. A golden square portal unzips out of thin air. A USR robot comes out on the other side. Ah, hello. This door will take you right to the Vegeta. Fly through when ready. It's time. Let us light this candle. I just realized that the third time I used, let's light this candle in this script. We are employing <laughs> the rule of three. Yeah, now it's a yes. theme. 
Now it's a theme. Sky Captain and Jenny climb into the cockpit. Joe starts the engine, which whirls on with a, with glittery clouds of magic. See, now, that has style. Not like this white, bland facility aesthetic. How the duck rises into the air and floats through the portal. Sky Captain looks down at Hannibal and they share a nod. He then drives the jet through into the blinding gold wonder ahead of them. Chapter 17. All together now. We see a smoking, half-demolished city. Its buildings have been leveled and its streets are bare. We see a humongous, dark, pulsating leg of a monstrosity moving forward and level another building unintentionally. We zoom out and see the 600-foot and 7,000-pound black, bloody, and oddly-shaped monster that is the Vegeta move through the city. Where is Sky Captain? You cannot hide from me. Find him. Find We can't finish unless you find Sky Captain. We need to finish. We have to finish. <laughs> we see Vegeta turn what seems to be its head. But it's actually his butt. <laughs> God. With each movement, we see debris and flesh seep off of it. It remains unfazed by its destruction. Its dark and complex eyes widen. There you are. <laughs> God. Uh, the Avenger, like a wave, rushes over to the landscape to the outskirts of the town into a mountain pass. We see Captain on a cliff overlooking a valley that Vegeta sits in below. He's out of the cockpit in front of the parked plane. Can you hear me? Ha ha ha. Have you decided to submit? Not quite, sport. Ridiculous human man. You are turning down a possibility of a lifetime to be a part of the most powerful living being that has ever existed. <laughs> you can be with your friends again. The Vegeta morphs its giant front into the haunting faces of Mrs. Z, Dora, Louis, Rage, Romario, and Luigi. Think what you could accomplish with me, or would you prefer to go by the way of your revered and washed up colonel? Hmm. Let me check. I'm going to have to go with option C. We beat you. You die. We win. <laughs> Sorry, there's more ha's in the script. So if you could do that again. <laughs> there we go. I've already seen your defeat. Patience, my friend. Or friends, technically. Yes, we will fight you and one of us will win. Maybe you. It will be me. I can see it. Are you forgetting that I have the monocle? I see myself consuming you. I see myself exploding in a glorious emulation that will be the death whale of all realities. Hot. I will finally be free of the torment of this life. You are alone right now, but soon you will be with it, with everyone you miss and love so deeply. I will have all the Avengers with in me once more the brain will then shut up it will shut up <laughs> yeah no sorry wrong again i'm not alone howard the duck floats interview and jenny sits up in her seat <laughs> got it i nice. got it that time <laughs> it's a very tommy was <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi, Vegeta. How your sex life? <laughs> this duck and this woman, they will join and they will perish. They will join or perish as well. Either way, I'll have you. The last Avenger standing. Joe starts hearing a voice in his head. Captain Sullivan, the message has been sent. This better work. We are severely outgunned. It's all up to fate. Well, let's see if fate flies. We see Jenny closing her eyes and do a soft non-denominational mm-hmm. prayer. Howard moves his eyes back and forth. Enough time wasted. I will just I will enjoy seeing you try to succeed and will relish you begging for tranquil assimilation. The Vegeta punch it punches one of their massive fists into the ground and we immediately see an army of at least 1,000 replicants sprout and form ranks for battle. Uh, what do we do, Captain? Come on, come on! Martin, can you hear me? What's the status? Are they coming? A few moments of silence pass as we see the replicants begin beginning to charge their way. Sky Captain takes a breath. You two get out of here. I'll hold them off while... Captain? Captain? Sorry for the delay. We're a bit overwhelmed up here. Look out below. On the ground below the cliff at which they stand, start we start hearing what is happening before we actually see it. A series of pops, zips, and shimmering sounds fill the canyon. Sky Captain looks over the edge and we see him smile. We see a series of zippers appear on the landscape. One unzips and we see the mystery machine pull through uh, with Shaggy and Scooby-Doo reunited one last time for this climactic battle. Shaggy has a halo over his head. Like Zoink Scoops, this doesn't look like the drive-thru. A golden circle appears. Wait, not a circle, a ring. It opens up wide and outblasts Sonic, Amy, Rose, Knuckles, and Big the Cat ready to fight. Tail soars through above them in his biplane. Sonic holds out a fist. Catch us if you can. Big the cat looks at the mountain that is the Vegeta in front of them. Froggy? God. <laughs> With a snap, crackle, and pop, another golden portal opens, and we see the Kellogg Serial Masters. Tony the Tiger, Sunny the Sun, Toucan Sam, and Cornelius Rooster ride a wave of 2% milk out onto the battlefield. From behind them, snap, crackle, and pop flip onto the scene. Follow your nose to your demise. Toucan Sam does a combat stance. Their losses will be great! We are going to give them two heaping scoops of whoop-ass! Cornelius Rooster just crows. Go ahead, Madison. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) On the horizon, we see, not from a portal, but by foot, the Montanero army coming over the ridge. The four Hudgens, Fifi, Margaret, Brooke, and Stacy are there. They hold hands and a cold dust magic cloud surrounds them. When it clears, Vanessa Hudgens' dragon lancer is all that remains and is ready for battle. Her eyes glow and turn red and lizard-like. Sir Cole trots up on a horse in full chainmail. They begin to make up distance to the rest of the army when they are suddenly interrupted. A lightning bolt hits the ground in front of them, and we see She-Ra, Kenga Train, Bombi, and Polar Hair, and a myriad of other masters of the universe appear on the scene. By the power of Grayskull, we will slay today. These riders don't have a ticket! That's still kind of Don Knotts, but whatever. 
<laughs> Let's knock some skulls. Mechanek is also there, but doesn't say anything. We see a few other portals open and zippers unzip. The travelers include the Lost Boy Air Force, all of the different iterations of Catwoman, a herd of dancing and very fuckable cats, and, <laughs> and colorful trolls entered the battlefield. Last but not least, from one of the shimmering doors, we see the 18 van drive through. In the driver's seat, we see B.A. Baracus. The top of the van opens, and from the inside, a huge Gatling gun emerges from the top with face at the helm, sporting a halo. The side door of the van slides open, and we see Colonel Hannibal Smith with an M16 aimed ahead. He wears a halo as well. He takes a look at the field of view and the battle they have gathered. Ah, yes. Plan C, version 3. Captain? Aye, Colonel. Over. Looks like we are ready. Let's see if we can save the world again. Promise this will be the last time we do that? That's something not even I can plan for, kid. Let's light this candle. Uh, calling it now, like, the like main like action theme track for this movie is uh, called Light This Candle. Yeah, yeah. We just play Candle in the Wind on repeat the entire length of the movie. <laughs> like a hard rock heavy metal cover of Candle in the Wind. I think what I I think what I like most about that is that I saw Kylie's reaction first. <laughs> like seeing it, and I said it. God damn it. How other ways can you say like let's let's get this started? Let's rock and roll. Besides, I guess roll out. Let's rock and roll. Uh, assemble. Sky Captain nods and turns to Howard and Jenny, and they nod as well. Vegeta, you still listening? <laughs> These numbers do not matter. I only need you, pilot. Just you. The last adventure. Then the voices will stop. I will be able to rest. <laughs> well, that's where you have a problem, Chief. What is an Avenger, for, really? You see, being an Avenger is not just being the ones who stopped Jan a year ago. It's not being Sky Captain, Hannibal Smith, Luigi Mario, or Mrs. Z. What blather is this? You were just buying time. It's not the toys, the TV shows, or even the stories they write about us. It's all being a member of a collective consciousness that has one thing, despite our differences, that we all agree on. Though when there are people or entities that seek to cause imbalance and chaos that tears the fabric of the universe apart, we show up. We show up and we ground you. The Vegito reels as he takes in the entirety of the battlefield. No, 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 no. Just wait one second there. That's right. Sorry, buddy. The Avengers are an ever-evolving and ever-expanding brand. And as the sole standing member of the original team, I formally induct all my new friends here into it. Also, all their friends and anyone else in the universe who wants to join. Let's let them all in. <laughs> the Lost Boys look up at Sky Captain and then at each other and smile with glee. This can't be. These aren't the rules. The Avengers were just the ones that faced off against Jan a year, last year. That's what the voices say. That's what they said. That's what they. Falcon, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. I said the same thing twice. Uh, <laughs> man oh man man oh man think of the new toys we could open a whole multiversal conglomerate the avengers corporation united the ecu fuck you <laughs> i don't want to i don't either i won't i don't want to either 
this wasn't the plan. This will never end. I want to die. The spread of the Vegeta that is Andy attempts to separate itself and spread away from the base form, but cannot. It's as if it just can't seem to let itself go. We see the veins of magic similarly colored to the games of power binding it to the body. They don't want to leave each other again. The Vegeta heaves with the scent. It's no use. I'm bound. Tricked. This power is exhausting. I don't think I'm coming home, Nance. The Vegeta turns to face the army and Sky Captain lets out a wail. A glee. <laughs> I think they figured it out, Joe. Seems like it. Let's ready up. The Vegeta forces start charging. This is all your fault. You will die for your resistance to our assimilation. You've cursed me to devour the entire universe along with you and all your friends. Are you happy now? That's a nice story. But I think we're just going to kill you instead. A lightning bolt shoots out and through the Vegeta. We see the Vegeta acknowledge it. <laughs> Howard the Duck has just spiked his body through the torso of it. Of him. Howard! Ah, he's getting barred. Fair enough. Everyone, attack! The army moves forth. The colorful trolls hop onto the sexual cat's back and ride them like steeds. There's the blurb. There's That's the trailer. That's in the trailer. Shaggy drives the mystery machine into the front line. We see replicants go under the wheels and squish them one by one. Montanero's tanks move into position and start firing <laughs> at the base of the Vegeta. Sky Captain starts to starts the jet engine and takes off. Ginny shouts from the back. So you think you can get me close enough? How close do you need to get? At least within 100 feet so I can focus the spell. Can you zip around his body for a while? Oh, yeah. I can zip. Sky Captain charges forward and gets closer to the Vegeta. Below their plane, we actually see Tails dipping low in their biplane to the ground and chopping a herd of replicants into the cartoonish front blade of their vehicle. We see face firing and downing uh, replicants by the tens with the Gatling gun while Barakas runs them over and Hannibal takes them out one by one with his rifle. We also see Murdoch fly by, laughing maniacally, dropping small bombs. Seeing his numbers being thin, the Vegeta jams another fist into the ground and countless more replicants sprout from the earth. On the ledge, we see Vanessa Hutchins, Dragon Lancer, and Sir Cole watch the Montanero forces move in for support. Vanessa Hutchins, Dragon Lancer, smiles and... Then her eyes glow red. We see her entire body glow and then turn into the Christmas dragon. <laughs> Sir Cole gasps. She turns her dragon face to Sir Cole and raises her eyebrows. You want to ride me? I, Just uh, get on. <laughs> what? Sir, Sir Cole hops, hops on and they take off towards the Vegeta. On the battlefield, the sexual cats dance in a seemingly rehearsed choreography around the replicants' attacks. As they do, the trolls sing the song Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats as they use their hair magic to wrap around and squeeze the replicants until they burst. We return to Sky Captain and Jenny in the, in the Magic Warhawk. He turns back to Jenny. How are we looking, co-pilot? Jenny hair is standing on end as she holds what looks like dried bird bones sitting on a silver mirror. Both are floating in in front of her as she focuses. Uh, Jenny? Quiet. I've never done this before. I've almost got it. The mirror ripples and we see the umbrella surrounded by darkness inside. I've got it. Holy shit, I got it. Ooh, I've never heard you curse before. Yeah, I don't think I ever have. Shit, <laughs> shit, shit, shit. Holy shit. Okay, well, do you know where to go? Yes, it's in his body still, near his left shoulder. We'll need to blast it open to find it. 
Got it. Hold on. Skycraft and grabs his radio and talks into it. Howard, left shoulder. Can you do some damage? Left wing. Got it. Howard flies around and goes to charge their body through with thunderous force again. Before he can make an impact, though, the Vegeta's giant arm swats him out of the sky, taking him off course. Howard quickly recovers and goes for another strike. This time, the Vegeta is even more ready, however, and grabs him. Hey, let me go, you tentacle twit. Ah, so mouthy. Let's see how you talk once your bill is torn to pieces as you assimilate. Hey, you mother ducker. (laughs) The Vegeta's tentacles wrap around Howard's bill and then the rest of his feathered body, piercing him and then consuming him. Absorbing Howard into himself along with Molnir, a thunderous pulse pulses out from Vegeta's body. The blast makes all three planes, Sky Captain, Tails, and Murdoch stall as they begin plummeting to the ground. It also electrocutes everyone in the area briefly. Fuck, 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 fuck. The Warhawk begins to fall and plummet to the ground. I got to say a better swear word, Kylie. Uh, are, you, are you guys married to that R rating now? Because you've locked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we were locked in. The Warhawk begins to fall and plummet to the ground. We see in the background tails crashing into a fiery blast into the Earth's surface. Sky Captain starts kicking the console in a panic. Jenny quickly takes out her scepter and speaks an incantation over and over again. We see the Christmas dragon continue to engage with the Vegeta, seemingly holding her own. We see Murdoch bail at the and blasts his ejector seat into the sky before his plane crashes to the ground. Jenny, we need to leave. No. She continues the incantation, and the ground becomes closer. Sky, sky Captain closes his eyes, readying for a horrible impact. The impact doesn't come, though, as Jenny's magic envelops the vehicle and gently puts it on the ground. Whew, that was close. This is an amazing day. Sky Captain attempts to start the plane again, but he just can't seem to get it to turn. Replicants begin to surround them. We need to go and go now. It won't start. Prepare to fight. Sky Captain takes out takes his gun out and Jenny unsheaths her scepter and they both get out of the cockpit. They are cornered and very outnumbered. A group of replicants rush towards them before they engage. However, a pile of raisins drop from the sky, crushing the replicants into the dirt. Sky Captain look up and see a smiling sun giving them a thumbs up. An orange blur comes rushing in and we see Tony the Tiger take down a few others that are <laughs> that, that were closing in. While we also see Snap, Crackle, and Pop make a perimeter around the plane, protecting them. Hey there, looks like this. Wow, what was that? <laughs> hey there, looks like this plane didn't get a proper allotment of fiber and nutrients today. Uh, yeah, it runs on magic, so... Magic? Well, that's not very balanced. Guys, can we read the room? (laughs) (laughs) Pop is the grounded of the three. The A-team band rolls in, as does the mystery machine, creating walls of defense against the ever-emerging hordes that are sprouting from the ground. It seems as if they will be overwhelmed in minutes. In other parts of the battlefield, we see Sonic and the gang attempting to help uh, tail is out of the wreckage. A squad picks up their location, however, and quickly moves in on them. The princesses of power have created a pile of replicant bodies on another part of the valley, but their energy is weakening. The Vegeta swats the Christmas dragon with one of their massive arms. The impact knocks Sir Cole off of their back. The dragon quickly dives and re- rescues him, but the Vegeta takes its chance and like a volleyball spikes the dragon into the ground. The dragon transforms back into the Vanessa Hutchins, transforms back into Vanessa Hutchins' dragon lancer, where she lay next to Cole's unconscious body. Ha ha ha. This was futile. 
All the Avengers will fall eventually. As I decimate and destroy, people will fear even the name Avengers. I will extract the tumor of the idea of the Avengers out of the multiverse's consciousness. Yes, yes. Now, join me, won't you? From a few feet of the Vegeta, we see root-like tentacles grow and spread over the valley. We see them quickly encumber the Sonic Force team and begin to take them over. The princesses of power slash them away, but they keep inching near. Sky Captain, the A-Team, and the Breakfast Club brace for the impact of waves and roots that seem to be sent towards their team. We see them shadowed by the wave. All goes dark. But suddenly, like an anvil falling from the sky, a figure, a pure light, lands in the middle of the valley, followed by one word. Excelsior! A wave of holy light miles wide ripples to the point of of Stanley God's presence, eviscerating the many rooting tentacles that were taking over our heroes. Sky Captain eyes Hannibal. This part of the plan? Hannibal smiles. Of course. Stanley God reaches towards the sky and we see another golden portal open up from within it. Seemingly, thousands of USR robots drop like a waterfall into the battlefield and join the fight. We hear them speak in unison. We, we are, are happy, happy to, to be service. We can now see Stanley God in all of their glory. They are in the skelet they are in Skeletor's horrible golden armor from the end of <laughs> Masters of the Universe and are holding a, an amazingly large soul caliber aesthetic buster sword. They quickly fight their way to Sky Captain's location. Around them the battle continues. What'd you do to my plane? Oh, you know, I just thought we'd stop and take in the sights. Life just flies by if you don't stop and smell the multiverse, you know. Very funny. I don't have much left in me, but... Stanley God waves their hand over the plane. Its engine starts again. This time, do the damn thing, will you? Stanley joins the rest of the heroes in battle, slicing incinerating them, uh, incinerating seemingly 20 replicants with one swing. Excelsior sword. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so mad. Man, gods fucking suck. Let's go. They hop in the plane and fly off. Around the battlefield, we'll see we see our heroes having their vigor back with the equaling of numbers with the added USR robots and Stanley God. Sonic like a pinball shoots and knocks against different enemies. <laughs> These guys are such pushovers. As he does, Amy Rose runs up like she's playing golf and drives them across the battlefield with her hammer. Knuckles is just punching shit. Still still recovering. Vanessa Hutchins' Dragon Lancer continues to be surrounded. Running in, Shira comes in and helps her to her feet. She grabs her cold sword and they prepare to fight. The trolls and cats, which I totally didn't forget about, have actually made it to the Vegeta and are working their way up their legs. The cats shudder their tails with excitement. Get off me, you plastic cats. They have their claws dug in deep and are going nowhere. Sky Captain and Jenny make their approach towards the Vegeta. Jenny has already started her scrying spell. Still on the left shoulder? Yes. All right, let's see what this puppy can do. Sky Captain arms one of the weapons on the console. Heavenly bodies armed. Um, okay, let's try this. Sky Captain pulls the trigger and from... 
his gun shoot a bunch of multicolored meeple figurines that impale the Vegeta's body. As they hit, we see the flesh of the Vegeta in 10 feet circles around where they entered change colors that corresponded with the colors of the meeples. Depending on the color, it turns those patches of skin into an intense version of the element it corresponds with, either fire, earth, water, or wind. The Vegeta reels in pain and stops being distracted by the cats and trolls crawling up them and focuses on the warhawk. They open what semblance of a mouth they have and a ray of lightning flows out aimed at Sky Captain, who dives and twirls to avoid. Uh, zipping around like this is pretty nauseating. You get used to it. Let me see if I can help. Jenny holds up her scepter and from the, the tip of it expands a spherical shield that surrounds the plane. Now let's test it. <laughs> Fly in the lightning. Sorry, what are you, crazy? Just do it, coward. <laughs> All right. Not a coward. Sky Captain pulls up and flies right into the way of the lightning and comes out the other side unharmed. Well, okay. Okay, Copilot. Let's give it another run. Sky Captain turns the plane around and aims it at the left shoulder and shoots more meeples into it. We see it crackling, the crackling of all elements into the skin, and it creates a hole. A hole where we see the umber staff. Ms. Honey, looks like our friend here has some tension in their shoulder. Jenny looks forward and smiles. Sky Captain thrust the warhawk forward and goes directly into the hole they created. As they enter, Jenny holds out her hands and uses the old reliable telekinetic magic that she uses <laughs> to halt the plane instantly and hold themselves within the opening. Jenny sets the plane down onto the uneven fleshy uh, black ground. We see the umber staff a few yards away. Captain, hurry, go grab the staff. So Captain hops up from the cockpit and runs towards the umber staff. From every direction, we see the wound repairing itself. Jenny holds out her hands and uses her abilities to try to hold the regeneration back. Captain, we don't have much time. Almost got it. Sky Captain starts crawling up a mound of mud of black tar and flesh, but keeps slipping as he keep as he keeps attending. Sky Captain crawls up a, a black tar of flesh. Uh, uh, sorry. Sky Captain runs up a hill, <laughs> trying to get the Umbra staff, but keeps falling down. Finally, after his sixth attempt, he grabs it and pulls it out of the wall. Got it! He looks around the ever-shrinking space and realizes they aren't flying out of here as planned. He runs to the cockpit. Joe, I can't hold it much longer. Sky Captain presses another button on the weapons console. Good luck, Kylie. Oh, God. Icosahedral crate bomb activated. Damn. Very good. We see a D20 periodically roll on a screen and random numbers uh, populate. Five, six, eleven, two, seventeen, nine. Sky Captain runs over to Jenny. All right, time to go. Eight, thirteen, twenty, eighteen, twelve, three. Sky Captain and Jenny run to the edge of the wound. We gotta jump. Now! Jenny grabs the un Umbra staff, opens it, and then grabs onto Joe and forces them to fall over the edge. One. A seemingly atomic, holy explosion blasts from the wound as Jenny and Sky Captain gently float down to the ground like Mary Poppins. From below, the battle stops for everyone, as both friendly and foes are awestruck by the blinding sunlight explosion that just happened. From the center, we see what looks like a black hole forming before it releases in a huge burst. The replicants shriek with pain and retreat back to their host's body, reforming into them as they meet it. The good guys regroup together, licking their wounds and taking care of their wounded. We see multiple destroyed android bodies on the dirt and many gushy replicant bodies in piles. Big the cat is dead. He had no chance. 
It was. Jenny <laughs> <laughs> and Sky Captain land about 10 yards away from the nearly incapacitated giant body of the Vegeta. The sky opens and the sun is peeking through the clouds. Is it over, Captain? Nearly. Sky Captain points at the Umbra staff. Let's bring it home, Miss Honey. No. Let's bring them home. Jenny steps up and takes the Umbra staff in her hand and holds it true towards the Vegeta. The Vegeta looks on with a blurry vision and sees the figure aiming at aiming the staff towards them. Stop her. Get up. You've almost done. You are nearly a god. You can win. You can live forever if you just get up. Stop this. Watch Stranger Things. Forever? Forever hunting the Avengers. An itch that will never get scratched. A game that never ends. Jenny begins to chant an, an incantation as the Vegeta looks on. You know what? I think I'll sit this one out. No. 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 Actually, no. you have free will. No. Yes. Jenny channels the power of the Ember Staff into uh, a spell of purple energy and smoke. The spell shoots into the ailing body of the Vegeta. We see its body wrench, wrench back and forth in pain. Jenny screams in pain as well, as the spell is very powerful. I don't know if I can hold this. This is too much. You see a, a wisping pink soul flow through the smoke and into the uh, umbrella's tip. We th- Then another one that's green, and then a, suddenly a collection of others. Faster and faster, they enter the umbra staff. And with each one, Jenny screams in pain. The staff will not let her let the spell stop. Jenny, stop the spell. <laughs> <laughs> Sky Captain tries to grab the staff, but is blown back by the spell. Jen- Jenny's color and life seem to be draining with every moment. Quicker than the others, we see a sapphire blue soul shoot into the staff, skipping the line behind the others. From behind Jenny, we see a hand rest on her shoulder. A hand with ruby red painted nails is the hand of the spirit of Matilda. Concentrate now. I'm here with you. I've seen it all. You have made me so proud. Another soul skips the line. This one is light green. Rude. And Lewis's soul appears behind Matilda's. You've got this, Jenny. Another shoots by. It's Mrs. Z's soul. Lavender, naturally. Well done, young lady. You aren't half bad. A red soul shoots in. It's Chris. Well, well, well. Looks like we're in excellent hands. Jenny looks behind her and feels all the support and encouragement from her magical community behind her, and then looks forward and aims true and leans into the spell. Her hair blows in the wind and her eyes glow with a rainbow of energy, each color matching the soul the soul's colors that stand behind her. In the center of the rainbow, we see her own color, as the pupil of her eye, the color of ruby red. Souls start shooting into the staff even faster until there are none left to extract. With the staff glowing in radiant bright light, Ginny wonders what will happen next and does not know what to do. The spell has not ended yet. We return to New Heaven and enter a clinically white study. In a study, since Andrew Martin in a leather chair seemingly contemplating something. He turned 
to a person in the chair sitting next to him. And we see that Alan Quartermain is sitting there reading a newspaper. Hmm. What do you think? Quartermain lowers his newspaper. You mean with the shoulders? Eh, what the hell? Andrew Martin shrugs and snaps his fingers. Chapter 18. We did it. Exclamation point. Back on the battlefield, the umber staff in Jenny's hands explodes, and everything turns ruby red for a moment. As existence fades back into view from being red, Jenny is left standing there, breathing very heavily. She feels a hand on her shoulder and turns around. Matilda welcomes her with an open, warm embrace. We see Rage run up from seemingly out of nowhere and starts shouting into a radio. Can anyone hear me? Over! We need immediate medical and a containment pod. Sky Captain wakes up and standing over him are Mrs. Z and Chris. Not bad for an elf. I'm not an elf. We should find the others. We see them walking back as a prison transport carrier and in a, a containment U enters. Director Rage and nearly a hundred other Shard agents surround the the Vegeta, whose body continues to glow with the power of the games. Please help me. I just want to leave. We see Andy trying to escape from the body of the Vegeta, but just can't. He drops to his knees as the containment field surrounds him. To his side, we also see the evil Avengers, Bridget, Krampus, Ferryman, and Metal Mario being escorted to a prison carrier. We even absorbed two? What the hell? Yes, we only revived the Vegeta and then put the positronic brain in his body and programmed it to kill the Avengers. We didn't tell it to absorb the world. I should have melted you down for parts. Ferryman, being indestructible, fights against his captors and runs away, (laughs) (sighs) leaving his colleagues behind. We fade to the battlefield where medics and doctors are treating the wounds of the soldiers and other heroes. Lewis runs up to Mrs. Z and gives her an instant hug on seeing her. She holds him tight. Matilda and Jenny approach as well, and... Lewis and and she <laughs> Lewis and she have an awkward hug which turns into a handshake and then turns into a high five somehow. Jeez. Well, that was the most painful thing that happened to me today. Romario is uh wrapped in a safety blanket and is sipping a cup a, a cup of coffee and nods. I'm going to call that bear. <laughs> as more shard agents descend on the area the members of the other universes begin to feel nervous as scientists and researchers start taking pictures and running scans i think it's time for us to leave yes yes it is sky captain and mrs z turn towards hannibal like in a say it ain't so kind of way sky captain goes up and hugs the colonel it was an honor colonel the honor was all mine i'll let i'll let you have this one Hannibal hands Sky Captain uh, the end of Plan Cigar. Joe takes it and smiles. He then approaches Mrs. Z. Well, Colonel, looks like our chess game may take a little longer to complete. I believe my rook was at G7, about to take your king into check. Yes, and my bishop was about to take that rook and move yours into mate. (laughs) Well, would have been nice. Do they have mail in heaven? We could continue. We may be able to work something out. Colonel, it is time. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep that continuity. (laughs) Mrs. E hugs Hannibal and gives him a kiss on the cheek. We hear another audible snap and each multiverse's uh, portal opens in an instant. All the members of the different universes move through their respective portals, all except the She-Ra crew who just disappear in a bolt of lightning. 
B.A. Baracus pulls up the van, gives Hannibal a hug and the and the keys. Murdoch comes running up, still dragging his parachute and gives him one as well. Face waves him over, waves him over. He gets into the van and they drive through the golden doorway. Murdoch and Baracus make a hasty getaway because they're wanted by the FBI and there are a lot of people who seem like cops here. Director Rage is in the middle of giving some orders to some Shard members when Paul Blart Mall Cop runs up. Paul Blart West Point Pavilion Mall Security and Avengers Reserve Acting Chairman, sir. Excuse me? I'm ready to debrief, sir. Oh, yes. You're that Blart fellow, the immortal and invulnerable one who wished hypoglycemia away. Stupid. (laughs) Those are just some of my accolades, sir. I'd be happy to share more with... I'd be happy to share more with you at some point. Maybe over an appetizer at Applebee's or something? I'm sorry, Danny. You said this is stupid. Like, this isn't a movie based off of our dumb shit podcast where we put Paul Blart in a Dragon Ball Z <laughs> I just forgot that he had pushed away my vocal <laughs> <laughs> That was his Dragon Ball wish. That's right. Cause. Yeah. Right. I just honestly think we have a lot in common. We both lead teams. We're both classically handsome. Have excellent strategic <laughs> insights. I just think we would get along. So you just want to hang out? If you're interested, sir. Director Rage sighs. You know what, Blart? Sure. Let's go get Kiss a beer. him, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Some brewskis. Just to let you know before, just to let you know beforehand, I'm a sad drunk. Hey. You ever played Dance Dance Revolution? One time when I was on duty, their conversation fades away. Oh, we're all still the same. Everything's untouched, but forever changed. Chapter 19 Brand Expansion. We fade back into Zebedee, Michigan. A shard truck drops off Mrs. Z, Lewis, and Jenny. Matilda gives Jenny a hug and whispers something inaudible into her ear. Jenny squeezes tight and makes her way towards the Barnevelt house, where she will continue her study of the arcane with Mrs. Z. Dora, who is at, uh, who is with them as well, hands Lewis a folder that reads, From Rage. This is an envelope. <laughs> it contains documents inside of it. Yeah. Thanks, Dora. You're welcome. See you soon. The shard van drives away. Lewis opens up the folder and sees within it there is a badge and some paperwork. The badge reads, Shard Agent, Arcane Mystery Division. He looks back towards the house. The scene fades out and then fades into us, following Sky Captain walking down a hallway in some shard facility somewhere. Luigi and Romario are with him. A shard agent comes up and hands him a clipboard. Hmm. That's more than I expect. They're waiting for you in the next room. Well, it's time to make it real. He grabs a cigar out of the inner jacket of his pocket and looks at it for the moment. He then puts it in his mouth, lights it, and gives it a few puffs and walks in the next room. Well, recruits, let's talk about what it means to be an Avenger. We see the people standing in the room are Howard the Duck, B.A. Baracus, Vanessa Hutchins' Dragon Lancer, Sonic the Hedgehog, and yes, Paul Blart Mall Cop, who is ready for their who are ready for their first test. Finally, we see Director Rage alone in a 
in a dark room in a hangar overseeing the construction of a new helicarrier. He looks at an Applebee's receipt that he pulls from his pocket. On top of it is a phone number and a smiley face with a mustache. We see a mustachioed and tall figure come into view behind him. We clearly see that is Jim Carrey's Dr. Robotnik. Oh. Oh, I didn't give this. Um, Daniel, be Dr. Robot. (laughs) All right. Why not? You have failed me, Rage. You let the specimen escape. Well, we had multiple dimensional disturbances in the last week. What did you expect me to... I expected you to do what you were in place to do. To contain, study, and capture these interdimensional beings so that we can harness their power for our own doing. Don't forget who you serve, Rage. I do not forget. Then let me hear you say it. Do it. Director Rage sighs and looks at the ground in shame. He then looks up at Robotnik. Hail Eggman. Credits roll. Jesus. Chapter 20. Credits. <laughs> mid credit scene. We go into a shard prison facility that is very much like the prison facility from Face Off. We see Krampus, Metal Mario, and Bridget walking into a cafeteria, all in the Face Off boots. What now, my dove? Bridget's monocle glows for a moment. Still here. Still eating this crap. Still no Twitter. I wish they would at least liven the place up a bit. It's so monotonous and repetitive. We hear footsteps walking up. Wait, not footsteps. (laughs) Hoofsteps. We see the Turin horse who is in a jumpsuit and also has face-off boots on walk up to their table. Is this actually a horse? It's a horse. Don't you just hate eating the same thing every day? Yeah, I do. Why? Well, I've been thinking, why don't we do something about it? Bridget, Metal Mario, Krampus. Bridget, Metal Mario, and Krampus look at each other and give each other evil-looking grins. Continue credits. Second mid-credits scene. We see Piccolo standing in an empty desert landscape. We hear someone approaching. Did you bring them? Swiper the Fox comes into view. Yeah, I got him. Of course I got him. I'm the best. Don Knotts, the Lich, comes into the frame, floating nearby. Well, you better have. I've been waiting long enough. I just don't know about this whole thing. Well, you better get sure. If, get ready. We're doing it. Yes, we must. I want to see if their power is as great as they say. Plus, don't you want to make sure you never get captured again? Yeah, you're right about that. Well, good. No. Now that we're in agreement, call the dragon. Swiper pulls out his bag and unveils the dragon balls. He places them in their uh, intended circle and the dragon rises forth. Those who have collected the dragon balls. What is your wish? Lightning strikes and the screen goes black. We fade back in and see the three nod at each other. Each walks away with a board game in their hand. Swiper holds a copy of Hungry Hungry Hippos. Piccolo walks away with a copy of Carcassonne. And Don, the TV lich, walks away with a copy of the TV edition of Seen It. Credits continue. After credits scene. (laughs) Oh my god, Madison. I also just saw the fucking name on this. We see the em- we see the empty field where the final battle took place. A date shows up at the bottom of the screen. We see that it's two days later. We hear an engine rolling up onto the landscape and see Crawl from Son-in-Law approach on a very slow tractor. He stops the engine. Oh, what? Did I miss it? Hello? Anybody? 
<laughs> Hello! And movie. Wow. Oh. What a ride. Good journey. I just want to throw out Madison. I got a round of applause when I finished my movie, so. You know how much fucking work I play? Are you, are you saying. Are you. Are you <laughs> <laughs> I applaud. I'm just saying it's and, bad. Do remember, and do you remember that, like, I was one of the ones that applauded you? Yeah, I clapped for your movie, but nobody else did, which means it's okay, bad. Cool. Awesome. I, I like the part no, where you, did you it. fused yeah. five Vanessa Hudgenses together and then forgot to unfuse them and just turned them into a new Avenger. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's cool because they're like five people inside of there, right? Yeah, who have like, lives and families. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> I also I also legitimately love that you took the Legion of Doom setup and made them like fucking Balkan skull Beetleborgs yeah. villains. Like I legitimately it made me laugh very hard. Yeah. Um, well done. You did it. You absolutely did it. Thank you. Very good. Um I have a feeling, just with the amount of time this took, about double what it took years, if not more, this might be a two parter. <laughs> That's <laughs> possible. Yeah, we can do two parter. Um, I do graciously thank each and every one of you for your time. Absolutely. This was this took way longer than I initially thought. I I definitely blacked out in the middle there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just reading. I'm just like, God damn, quivering, uh, quivering cat tails, huh? You did that, Madison. You wrote that on the. You wrote that on a on a uh, in a in a document. Okay. The thing is, no one made you do it. Nobody made me do anything. All it's like these, a challenge where I made you have sexual cats. All you the, did it. All the sins that I that we read <laughs> were mine, and I take complete ownership. And I don't know if this was and all and all and all of the people who read were conduits for my sin. <laughs> I don't know if this was in the episode or if you said it before we started recording, but you definitely were right when you said you redefined the word sin. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, with all of our Avengers, Jackson, Daniel, Kylie, Madison, and myself, we also want to thank all of the other friends who were on our show who couldn't be with us today. We want to thank Maya Franklin, Carrie McMichael, Alex Greyhawk, Ian Gears, and Lauren Thompson, and specifically not Jesse Cooper. I could forgive the pest because it proved useful, but I cannot and will not forgive the Turin horse. Jesse is now actively an enemy of this podcast. (laughs) They'll be back. We'll have them back. But I just want to know, Jesse Cooper is now officially labeled an enemy of the state here at Equalizers HQ. Uh, looking back over the last 52 episodes, we also want to thank my sister Megan Knoll and my roommate Corey Addison, along with Jackson and Kylie, for no particular reason. <laughs> uh, Daniel, do you have anything you'd like to plug here? Uh, yeah, I make uh, illegal Animorphs audiobooks. It's called The Audiomorphs. <laughs> you can check that out. Um, anywhere you can find a podcast, just search Audiomorphs, but also my website, theapocalypse.com. That's The Apocalypse. It's like Apocalypse, but I put a D right there in the middle to make a really stupid pun. Go check it out. Thanks. You'll recognize some of the voices, I think. <laughs> just mm-hmm. maybe. My, my yeah. ear detected a few yeah, I, crossovers. I, I, there was some, some that I picked up, too. Yeah, They're, uh, they're working voices, uh, working voices. <laughs> yeah. Jackson, do you have anything you um, would like to yeah. plug? So Mike and I are... Uh, the two halves of A Study in Granada, which is a Sherlock Holmes Roach podcast. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, we've been on hiatus for a bit, but the must the ritual is coming back the week after this comes out. All right. A firm deadline for us to hit. Kylie Neal, do you have anything that you would like to pitch or plug? I have nothing to plug. I actually don't exist outside mm-hmm. of this podcast. <laughs> I'm like a figment of Mike and yes. Madison's imagination. Mm-hmm. The Avengers will return. 
in episode 156. I don't know how I'm going to top Endgame, which Madison just did, but here we go. Are you just going to have trolls writing very fu- uh, fuckable cats? I'm going to have the cats writing on the backs of the trolls. Oh, okay. Next time, I recruit Madison Jones to the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. And the next Starfighter. Ooh, okay. Have you seen this before, Madison? I know it's like a cult classic 80s kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think I've seen it a very long time ago, like in college or something. So I'm very excited for your... Um, for you to watch this because it came out a few years after Return of the Jedi. And I've read I've read articles where they basically were like, George Lucas has cornered the market on animatronics and puppets. So we're going to do full CGI. Anything that's not people in a like on a setting, like the sets are all real. Anything to do with the spaceships, with space, with space battles, full CGI. Okay. That's that's it's exciting. So bad, but also in a very fun way. Like I'm stoked for you to see this movie. Awesome. So, wow. tune in next time for the next Starfighter. So, for the Equalizers, I'm Madison Jones. I'm Daniel Na. I'm Jackson. I'm Kylie Neal. And I'm Mike Noel. To be continued. Excelsior sword. <laughs> Nods. Get up to your chest. Open palms and then you really stop breaking a sweat. That's all there is, that's really it. You barely even gotta move your butt. Come on, man, now follow my lead, and we'll do the two steps. Come on, hands with me.